You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. We have a very special guest for this episode. Uh, I'm here with Buck Sanders uh, of IC and, of course, now I'm joined by UNC's offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. How's it going, Phil? Going good. How y'all doing? Great. So we're going to get right into this. We'll go ahead and turn over to Buck to get us started on this offensive edition of the Inside Carolina podcast. Coach, uh, one of the things that has been a recurring theme during the offseason is how much returning production you have on the offense. Uh, all the major skill players are back. You've got Sam Howell back. Uh, you got a lot of players coming back on the offensive line. Just give us your quick prognosis on how that might translate to uh, 2020 season. Well, I mean, we, we went into the 2019 season feeling like we were really young. We had a lot of players with very little experience. Obviously, we're starting a true freshman quarterback and, you know, an array of guys at the skill positions and up front that didn't have a lot of starts, if if any. And but the you know the silver lining there is that coming back your following season like we will be heading into 2020 you've got a lot of guys now that have starts under their belt um, both up front and and at the skill spots and so we lose uh, Charlie Heck who will be a draft pick you know in this upcoming NFL draft um, Antonio Williams um, was a a very productive back for us. And um, and then obviously Nick Polino, who battled through some injuries, um, and then you know you had tight end Carl Tucker and, and uh, tight end Jake Vargas. So those five are the five we lose. Five is not necessarily uh, a lot. Two of those players were every down starters, and three of the others contributed, you know, a good amount. But we do we have a great nucleus coming back in just about every room. And uh, if if we do our job in the off season. Um, and we get bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, like everybody is working to do, then uh, we should we should be able to reap the benefits from from having a lot of experience returning in 2020. Let me ask you about the uh, quarterback position for a second. You know, Sam Howe set all sort of freshman records. Um, you know, he's obviously going into the season uh, the starter. But how do you feel going into 2020 about the backup position? Well, I won't rehash last year, but we all know how it went from three to one. And it was, uh, and I want to say this real quickly about Sam Howell. For, for all of the things that he did and accomplished this year, the thing that I was most impressed with 
um, and was I thought was very revealing about him as a person was uh, we, we, we lose Kate Fortin and then Jace Ruder gets hurt and then all of a sudden you know there's a, a walk on as the backup quarterback and he wasn't in a position to push Sam Howell and so the, what I'm bringing up is the, the fact that Sam continued to push himself, play with an edge, never get comfortable, um, constantly practiced, competed, and prepared as if he had two or three guys behind him that were competing for his job. And, and uh, that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot, and that's a big reason why he got better every week. Going into this season, it's a whole different room in the quarterback room. We've got um, Jace Ruder returns. So he's coming back healthy and is cleared for spring ball. Sam Howell is now going into his second year with 13 productive starts underneath him. And then we have Jacoby Criswell, uh, who I've been recruiting for three years on campus and learning the offense as, as we speak. And he will be competing in spring ball. And then, you know, you have a, you have a walk-on that played last year now that at least knows the offense and, and can flip it around a little bit. And so, You've got four guys in the room right now that are competent or better um, going into spring ball, and, and that's obviously drastically different from what that picture looked like in the fall. Coach, uh, I mean, just let, let me ask you about this. Uh, we heard often and many times last year that perhaps you guys decided not to rush Sam Howell, let him run the ball as often as you might like to run it uh, because you were a little bit of uh, worried, concerned that, you know, if, if he went out, if he got tweaked an ankle or, you know, uh, bruised, uh, you know, a, a muscle that you guys would be then, you know, in the situation you just described. Is that going to change for next year, do you think? Or do you think you're going to run Sam a little bit more? Uh, a lot of speculation about that at Inside Carolina. Well, I think there were some times after the Jace Ruger injury where we had our our number four a walk-on bump all the way up to becoming the backup where there was a legitimate concern for uh, having Sam utilize his legs and, 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 and get tackled and take some hits. Uh, throughout the, the, the middle portion and the, and the home run stretch of the season because for the middle four or five games, all of a sudden now we had a walk-on uh, quarterback who wasn't making any, or getting any throws. He wasn't getting any reps, um, and, and, he, and he wasn't getting any individual meetings at quarterback to prepare because he was four away from the starting position. So, yes, we were very, very careful um, – Sam wasn't going to run it unless he absolutely had to, you know, and we, we had to try to game plan and design some things um, that would eliminate his option to run the ball, whether it be in a scramble, a design quarterback run, or even off of a pull on a, on a zone read type type concept. So it, it, it was limiting because um, he couldn't ad lib the way he did at Temple. I mean, at Temple, he had one design run, he had one pull, and he had one scramble, and those three plays alone changed the complexion of the game, uh, and, and maybe only in the way that the Temple defense had to at least honor him as a weapon, 
Um, and, and you go into the game with us last year not really feeling that way because we weren't using him. And so it may be one, two, three runs a game. There may be some games where he runs it a little bit more, but uh, it having that just as an option, as an aspect of, of your system, just as another uh, bullet to fire, is, is obviously a huge advantage for us offensively. Let me ask you, you've got a bunch of weapons, skill players coming back, and let's go to the wide receivers first. Um, you know, you, you got Daz coming back. you got uh, Diami coming back, both 1,000-yard receivers. you got Bo Corrales coming back. You've got some other contributors coming back. Uh, besides those names that uh, UNC fans already know about, who is it that you think might emerge next year? And I can tell you off the top of my head that a lot of people are excited about Josh Downs uh, for next year based on what he did in the All-American game. Well, I, I think from a coaching standpoint, we're excited about all the new faces that we have at the skill positions. If, if we weren't, we wouldn't have recruited them. Um, and then – some of the guys have been given opportunities in numerous or various different all-star games to kind of display what they could do, maybe maybe a little bit more than some of the others. And so, you know, Josh was, was given an op- opportunity to be on center stage in a big game, and he made the most of it. And I think everybody really saw what what we saw when we were recruiting him. And, and I also would tell you that any time we have at any position a player with – that type of speed and athleticism, you know, we all know, you know, what the capabilities are in the offense to, you know, to, to, to promote those talents. And so I, we're looking forward to Josh Downs and, and the rest of the uh, skill recruiting class. We've got a number of them on campus right now. So they'll, they'll have the benefit of learning the offense now and going through spring ball. Um, all told, offensively and defensively, we've got 13 on campus now, and we have 12 more reporting at the end of the semester. So those guys give us what we, we drastically needed and wanted last year that we didn't have that Coach Brown talked about so much, and that's legitimate depth that can push the starters and legitimate depth that can rest a guy at a position and bring out the second one who can still be as much of a weapon and keep everybody fresh. So we're we're thrilled to have that depth here. Um, I think uh, any of those guys that have speed, we feel like can they'll probably have a, a, a much better shot at getting on the field sooner rather than later because that's that's really what the the offense is all about. Last year, Mac Brown said numerous times uh, that the strongest room on in, on the entire UNC team was the running back room. And you got Michael Carter decided he was going to come back, probably could have turned pro. You got Javante Williams, both of those guys, one over a thousand yards, one pushing it very closely. And then Josh Henderson looked pretty good, uh, you know, down the stretch, you know, when he had an opportunity to play. Do you still feel like that running back might uh, be still the strongest part of the offense, or is it evened out some? What's your take on that? I think overall the other rooms are catching up because they're improving. You know, all of the, the 14 or 15 receivers coming back are 
a year more mature. They have a year of Coach Galloway's leadership under their belt, and they've got you know a year of practice in the offense under the belt. So that whole group is going to be better. And those are great kids from the get go. We just it was it was evident. Um, and and I think the O line room, the tight end room, even the quarterback room, they were a little bit younger than the the running back room. Um, what what Carter and Javante Williams and Antonio Williams um, really provided us were three extremely mature veterans with a lot of experience um, and a lot of talent and a lot of maturity and a lot of uh, leadership. Um, and they were probably just the best combination of all of those things on the offensive side of the football. And it, it may still be the most solid room. I mean, Antonio Williams is a huge loss on the field. He was very productive and off the field. I mean, he was as much of a, of a leader and as much of the glue in our locker room as anybody on the team. And he gave whatever he could in special teams as well. So he's, he's a big loss. And I think um, we're very, happy that uh, we feel really, really good about each room offensively. And since Carter and Javante are coming back, you know, that's going to be a strong room on this team until they're no longer here. Last year, you guys were very, very young on the offensive line. You had basically Charlie Heck and Nick Polino uh, that had some experience next year, a uh, last year, a ton of guys got some experience, some reps, um, and uh, I suspect, and whether you will verify this, we'll see, but that you have probably a little bit more depth than you had last year on the offensive line, especially in terms of career starts and you know guys behind them. How are you feeling about the offensive line headed into 2020? Well, I think it's twofold. We have a we have a group of, of of new offensive talent coming in, and how they transition to the physicality of the college game still remains to be seen. Because uh, you know they we still got to get it into pads and and move around and see how they handle it. But from from an evaluation standpoint and a talent standpoint, you know we're excited about that group. So we expect that group to add some competitive depth to the offensive line, but we also have some developed depth and that, and what I mean by that is we, we played a lot of guys this year. We played a lot of other guys up front on the offensive line. Um, you know, there's probably with four tackles that played a good amount, four guards that played a good amount. We played two centers uh, throughout the season, three got some work, um, but two primarily. And so there are a lot of guys that got some, um, you know, some snaps and games that will help develop them. And then we know, I, I think you already know this, but we give equal reps in practice to our, our second group. And so they got the same amount of reps as Sam Howell and all of the other starters. And that goes a long way to helping them develop as well. Um, spring ball will be about giving more opportunities to, to some of the even younger kids. But I, I think anytime you have a large group coming back like we do at the offensive line position, the key at that spot is continuity. And and they're going to have more continuity this year with, with all of the playing time they have alongside of each other. So that that's a group as an entire room that you, you want to get better as a, an overall unit. And we all fully expect that unit to be better than they were last year. 
let's talk a moment about teaching. Um, you know, there was some carryover, I suspect, from the offense that uh, UNC ran uh, before you got there, and especially in terms of tempo. And uh, but the, the air raid was a, a, a slightly different flavor of the spread than what North Carolina had run. And so talk a minute about teaching Are the guys that played last year um, while, you know, you were teaching them, are they going to be able now in turn to help teach uh, the newcomers to the offense or, you know, other people, you know, the depth behind them? Uh, how, how does that transition work? You know, when you go from, uh, a brand new offense to year two of an offense, both in terms of familiarity of the guys with the first team and, and teaching behind them. Oh, it's interesting that you asked that because we had, uh, it, it, it's something that we've expressed to our offensive personnel already uh, this semester and that over multiple years and, and uh, multiple different programs, the improvement between year one and year two is usually the most drastic. You know, it's interesting, too. They say SAT testing and ACT testing by, you know, our prospects, typically their biggest improvement is between the first test and the second test, and that kind of holds true with the offense. The third year and the fourth year, there there, there have been improvements at recent, you know, at the uh, former places, but year one and year two is usually the biggest jump and it's because it's the first time that they're returning already knowing the system you know last year the spring was simply about learning the offense and you know you heard me say that a lot in the spring we the quarterbacks really didn't compete as much as they did um learn learn the system so they could run it and then they competed in august for the job this year these guys know it i mean sam howell can run this offense in his sleep and so he's a lot more comfortable correcting a receiver or bumping it back over the other side or, or, or providing some feedback to a tight end. Those are all benefits. You know, one of the things I say all the time coming back to second year is we have our five coaches returning, but we're going to have 38 or 39 returning coaches on offense because the guy standing in the front of the line at all the drills and all the concepts and all the plays can turn around to the Josh Downs of the world and teach them. So, you know, we've got 40-plus coaches on that field this year, whereas last year coaches were learning a little bit and, and players had no clue. It's an entirely different world going into the spring. Let me ask you this. In, in terms of Sam Howell, uh, I'm going to ask you some other questions about the quarterback room, but what can he get better at in year two? I mean, he was phenomenal. If he just duplicated what he did in 2019, that would be amazing. But what what are the kind of things you're focused on in in terms of Sam Howell getting better in 2020? A couple of the things that he and I talked about with him personally at the quarterback position, um, he's, he's working diligently right now at becoming uh, more flexible. You know, he's working on hip flexibility on a daily basis. That's, something on the athletic side that Brian Hess is going to address with him and he and I talked about um, just so he's a little bit more mobile 
Um, and, and, you know, it's something that you want to work on with all of your players, but I just thought athletically that was one of the areas that we wanted to improve on going into next year. Um, mentally, you know, the, the benefit to this offense is there's not, not going to be a whole lot more for them to learn from a mental standpoint. Uh, we just want them to continue to get better, sharper, quicker at what we're doing. Um, and, and Sam works at it every day. So, you know, we're now progressing to calling the offense against all the NFL defenses. Some of them are maybe a little bit more elaborate or they may have uh, more overall depth and speed. And so, you know, we're looking at things and making decisions against the very best in, in, in football with the offense that we're running. And, and those are things that are helping him on the, on the mental end right now. And then, you know, he's identifying some throws that he would like to be maybe a little bit sharper with. And so we'll focus in on some of those things in spring ball so that he's a, a cleaner, more polished quarterback going into next fall. What What about the time that he's able to spend with receivers, you know, like during the summer when, you know, practices aren't taking place, but, you know, voluntarily just getting out and working with receivers in terms of chemistry, how much does that count from one year to the next? Oh, it's huge. And, and, and really – um, it's something that I precisely uh, brought up to our guys recently, and that was, I thought, one of the most productive aspects of last year's preparation was the time they spent together in the summer teaching and learning the offense together and repping things and getting their timing down. Sam was out there with the skill guys all summer throwing, coaching them up, you know, we can't go out there. We're not able to do anything with them. So, you know, those are player-led practices. And I thought uh, we got about as much out of the summer as we could get with a college football team as, as we got out of this group last year. And that's that's a tribute to their commitment and their dedication and their work ethic. Because, And I say that because we saw the difference in August camp from the spring, and it was drastic. And that doesn't happen if you don't put the time in in the summer, and they did, and it and it paid great dividends, and it's a big reason why they accomplished what they did this year. One last question, Coach, and I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. But, uh, you know, we have already, behind the scenes, gotten reports about uh, Jacoby Criswell. What, what do you like about what he brings to the game and, and – we're going to enjoy Sam Howell for a couple of more years, but, you know, there's going to be a year when Sam Howell's gone. So what is it about Jacoby Criswell that led you to recruit him for three years, and what do you think he brings to the game? So, uh, you know, we those of us that start thinking down the road can get uh, started thinking about Jacoby. Jacoby, and I'm going to date myself here, but he reminds me, a lot. He always has. He reminds me of Donovan McNabb. Um, and, and because athletically he's similar, um, he can, he can run around, he can throw on the move. Um, he can make most throws from almost any platform. And what I mean by that is off balance to the left, to the right, you know, uh, uh, backpedaling, rolling left and throwing with his right. I mean, he can do all those things, throwing off platform. So, uh, and that's the reality of college football. 
the days of just sitting back there and, and, and picking people apart like you're throwing seven on seven, you know, that's that's not reality. And so you want you want a guy who can make throws when they're off balance and they're on the move and he does a great job. He's also very poised on the field, but in a very different way than Sam. They're they're two very different personalities. Um I would say Jacoby's more excitable. Um yeah, Jacoby plays with a lot of energy. Um, Jacoby is much more demonstrative on the field than Sam. And there are a lot of different ways to get it done, and, and personality-wise, they're different. Uh, but he loves the game and the X and O side of it also. Um, and, and that's something I've always appreciated about him. Um, he, he throws a heck of a ball. I think the receivers are really enjoying throwing with him as, uh, the same way they do Sam. And, and then I think he'll bring a little bit little bit more to the table with his game athletically so those are some of the things that stood out to me I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in his entire class across the country and I'm thrilled about having him on campus and you know to have Jace Reuter and Jacoby Criswell and Sam Howell in the same room is is it's going to be awesome and a heck of a lot of fun this spring to go coach okay I said that was my last question but I lied so uh, my last question is, you know, North Carolina is getting a ton of uh, preseason love in terms of uh, preseason rankings uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, people are thinking that North Carolina could really make a move. You lost a lot of games by a single score last year. Uh, so how are you treating that this year in terms of or do you even think about it in terms of, you know, what's our ceiling? You know, what are we after? What can we do? Uh, so j- just in terms of, you know, what your thinking is, uh, wh- what do you think about the the ceiling for this uh, North Carolina team in 2020? You know, I, my, my feeling on that and, and uh, the way I've always addressed it is the, the excitement – and and the coverage and the attention that um, they garnered after the season is all a, a product and a result of what they accomplished during the season. And so, if if after the bowl game and, and a little bit into the winter time, they enjoyed that, that's great. I mean, they earned it. Um, but now that we're heading in this to, to you know this eight week training period with Brian Hess in preparation for spring ball. Nothing that we did last year statistically or, or, or wins and losses wise is really going to directly impact next year unless we build on what we did. So the focus now has to be, you know, and Coach always said, hey, take tonight to enjoy the win. Wins are hard to come by. Enjoy it. But when we come back here tomorrow, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate a little bit in our team meeting in the morning and then we are going to focus in and lock in on the next most important game and that's the next one. So right now this is the next season. It's the next most important season. And so that it sounds like coaches rhetoric, but that's what you have to do. I mean, you don't ever win a game in the future on what you did in the past. So we have to have a very, very productive spring ball. Uh, we have no wins in the 2020 season right now. And then we've got to do the same thing this summer that we did last year. Um, and our goal is, is to pick up, uh, on opening day where we left off in the 2019 season. And that's not an easy thing to do. So we've got a lot of work between today and central Florida 
if if that's our goal, if that's what we want to accomplish, there's there's a lot to be done. Coach, I appreciate so much you taking the time to to speak with us. A uh, lot of good information there, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, the team in the spring and the off season games. Uh, again, thanks from uh, Inside Carolina spending some time with us. Well, you got to appreciate the invitation. Go Heels. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. 